where was I a year ago today? Or where was I a year ago this month? Because I maybe can't find an entry that was exactly today, but I love sort of seeing how far I've come and also seeing like, remember when you were worried about that? Like that thing that you were so worried about that never came to pass, but you spent, you know, untold energy, like trying to figure it out. And now it doesn't even matter. Um, I think is really powerful, all, especially in this year where, you know, back in January, I'm like 2020, it's our golden year, like all the things. And now it's just like, oh girl, you, you have no idea. I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick and I'm pretty intense. Today on the show is the adorable, vulnerable, funny, wonderful human being, Rachel Hollis. Uh, we had, I mean, we had a giant conversation about life. It was, you know, everything from relationships to the relationship with ourself, um, the lessons that we've learned, the things that we are going to take moving forward, childhood, inner child. And we also then at the end of it sort of created what the future world looks like. I, I hope that you can take a lot from this interview and I hope you, uh, you know, can learn just, you know, some different, different ways of thinking and answer the call to wake up, answer the call to look in the mirror and to hold yourself accountable and create the life that you really want. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. But that's just like a throw. That's, that's a throwaway answer. Let's answer how like we're really doing. I am tired. It's been a really long day. I start production on the show tomorrow. And so this was the day, I don't know if your team ever does this with you, where there it's back at, from, you know, eight until now, it's just completely stacked. And mm -hmm. it's sort of like, we got to fit all these things into all these little boxes to get everything done so that then you can go into production tomorrow. Um, so I'm tired and I am also debating with myself about whether or not I am really going to cook dinner for my children or if we are going to have takeout. That is literally like, as I was logging onto the Zoom, I was like, can you cook dinner tonight or are we going to get Chick-fil-A? I don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah. That's how I am. How about you? Um, well, first off, I think that if you can, um, there's like little sayings I have for myself, like if money can solve a problem, let it, you know, things like that, like getting a cleaning lady instead of having to do mm -hmm. that myself or like, you know, if, um, if getting, going to get dinner or ordering dinner makes your life easier then you know what, some days you need that. So, right. um, how am I, I'm, um, I'm feeling really like a lot is coming through. It's just like a lot of downloads, a lot of information, more and more clarity, um, waves of emotions still like, you know, of all the events that have happened in my life. And, you know, some of that comes and goes, um, but generally feeling kind of just a lot of information coming through, especially recently. Um, and the one good feeling is I'm just like really, and I've, posted this on social, like I'm falling in love with this mystery of life. Like think about how it's like, I was thinking to myself, it's like surprises. So life, 
life is generally kind of like surprises and not all surprises are good. Sometimes you open up your gift at, you know, for your birthday or Christmas or whatever you, whatever you would open up a gift for and you open it and you're like, Oh, it sucks. You know? (laughs) And sometimes it's not a good surprise. And then other times it's really, really good. And so, um, but life is kind of just a bunch of endless surprises really. And we think we have it all under control and we think we've got it figured out, but, um, but uh, it's going to continue to surprise us. And I'm just kind of learning to really love that. It keeps it. How do you process? Like when you're in a, in a season or in an experience of like a lot of information's coming at you, what are the things that you do to process the information you're receiving? Uh, I journal. Me too. Yeah. I talk to my girlfriends. I'm big on talking. Yes. Um, I would imagine that probably falls under your umbrella too. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you a verbal processor? Does it help you to sort of talk through? Yeah. I'm not only a verbal processor, but it is part of, it can help more and more come through. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think those are the two biggest things. Do you, do do you journal else? every day, like consistently, or are you sort of like when you're feeling what you're feeling, then you're like, I got to get this down. Yeah. I'm not a religious sort of person about, I use religion and I'm only meaning it for being a, 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 a timeline of, of um, repetition. Um, I'm not religious about journaling. Um, yeah. It's just kind of as needed. It's extremely yeah. therapeutic for me. So I, but I, I can kind of process with my eyes closed, process when I write, process when I talk, process when I, you know, look at the sun rising. So yeah. What about you? I So, so I do, I have a gratitude practice that I do every day. Um, so I write down things that I'm grateful for every morning. And then most of the time, if I'm journaling, it's because I'm feeling something that I need to work through, or I do, I would say 98% of the time, and this was like a previous life, but if I was on an airplane, I always journal on airplanes Hmm. because I feel like there's some great thing that happens with, you know, there's like the ambient noise. And if you don't buy the internet, then nobody can access you. And you're just sort of alone with your thoughts. And usually I feel like I'm going or coming from something big. And so, you know, either I'm going to a big work event or maybe I'm on my way to vacation. And so I'm setting my intentions for what I want to be able to, you know, have out of that experience. So I actually love it because I, I carry a notebook with me everywhere. And in my notebook for years, it will have like ATX to LAX or, you know, um, JFK to, you know, I don't know, like, but it, I love remembering like what airport I was going from and to, because I also think that that sort of colors what's, you know, if you're flying out of JFK versus, Honolulu, those are two completely different energies that you're bringing to that process. Does it take you back into the feeling as well? Because there's a visualization that you can have for it too. You you like can visualize yourself. Yeah. And I, I, I review a lot of the things that I journal. So it's one of, you know, I, I love, in fact, I do this, I've done this a lot, especially this year of like, where was I a year ago today? Or where was I a year ago this month? Because I maybe can't find an entry that was exactly today. But I love sort of seeing how far I've come and also seeing like, remember when you were worried about that? Like that thing that you were so worried about that never came to pass, but you spent 
you know, untold energy, like trying to figure it out. And now it doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. Um, I think is really powerful, all, especially in this year where, you know, back in January, I'm like 2020, it's our golden year. Like all the things. And now it's just like, Oh girl, you, you have no idea. Yeah. Strap in. Um, <laughs> I, 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 what would you have told yourself if you were to go back and knowing what you know now, what would you have told yourself, uh, new year's Eve going into 2020? You know, what's really interesting is that when I go back, I do a lot of stuff every year at the end of the year and the start of the year, I do it by myself and I do it with my friends. We're really big on getting together, setting intentions, goal settings. We do it all the time. And it's just an excuse to like drink and have a cheese board and like cast your future or whatever. Um, right. <laughs> um, but I feel like, I know this sounds so weird, but I feel like I knew change was coming in some way, because when I go back and I review all of my notes or here's what I think of the future, or here's, I'm laying these things out. It was a really weird time at the end of last year that I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't like grasp what to write down. I couldn't see sort of specificity. I couldn't like in a way that's very unlike me. I remember I did, um, I was with some of my closest friends and we always do like brunch into some kind of vision cast, dream cast, whatever. And so we're having brunch and then we did this whole thing. We all asked the same questions and we journaled and then we went around and everybody had to share. So you can like hold each other accountable. And I couldn't answer so many of the questions like, oh, what do you need to release? What do you need to take? And I, in hindsight, feel like my gut was sort of telling me like things are in flux or things are going to change or you can't see what it's going to be because it's so it's about to take such a drastic turn that you like I just I know that sound it doesn't sound weird to you because I know you're no, it doesn't you, at you all. vibe on this with me but um I feel like I my intuition sort of knew life was about to change Mm. would you, would you have told yourself anything? Would it have helped? Like, you know, cause there's that thought too, where it's like, you kind of need to be, I know for myself, like to learn the lessons that I've learned. Like I, I, I had to get dropped in the middle of the ocean, no Island in sight, you know, um, to really bring me there because I think we're very similar in a way. We're both like push and get things done. You make things happen and, um, strong, strong-minded, strong-willed. Sometimes you got to let go. Sometimes you got to, yeah. sometimes you got to, yeah. shit. I don't think that I would. And I think this about my whole life is that I wouldn't want to know. And I truly wouldn't want to do things differently because I really do to the like marrow of my being believe that it, it happens as it, was supposed to, it happens as it was meant to, it happens in the time it was meant to happen. Like, I really do believe that. And I think that if we had, you know, if we could time travel or if someone could tell us that something was coming, it would change what was meant to be and the way that it was meant to be. And so I really wouldn't, um, no, I mean, I think, I think I would just tell myself like, it's going to be okay. But then even in that, 
I wouldn't need to hear that because I live my life thinking like it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It might not be great today, but I believe that it can be great again someday. And then for right now, we're just going to keep moving forward. But um, I've just had too many experiences in my life where in it, it was the hardest season, the hardest year, the hardest time. And then I can look back five years later and go, oh my God, but look what it gave me. Um, So I have a tattoo on my wrist that Mm -hmm. says embrace the suck because every good thing in my life came on the other side of something really hard. You know, um, my three children, you know, came on the other side of, you know, pregnancy and labor, right? And my daughter, who's the baby, that was five years in the adoption process to get her. That was awful. It was so terrible. Mm. And I have Noah because of that, like so many really hard things produce really beautiful things. So, um, what, why, yeah, why, I don't think why, that. Why is that? Because I a hundred percent agree. I, I mean, there is, Oh, I actually tell people, I'm like, if you haven't been buckled over, like in convulsions, crying world upside down, feeling helpless, feeling just devastated. Like if there's not, if you haven't gotten there, then you haven't really gotten to the part where change really happens. So why, why does that, why do you think that it is? Cause we're both agreeing here. You've got to go through the pain to get growth. There's always, it's growing pains, right? Right. But I, well, I think, I think everybody is going to go through something painful. Mm -hmm. Everybody, every human being. The difference is that there are people who go through something painful and it changes them for the better. And then there are people who go through something painful and they look for the goodness. They look for not like, oh, this was meant to happen, but is there something, is there wisdom in this for me? Is there a lesson? What am I meant to learn? Who was, you know, what, what came out of this experience um, that we'll all go through hard things. It's just that, you know, you could talk to another person who'd be like, yep, the universe is out to get me, you know, the, this political party, that boss, this thing, like they choose to see the world or, or maybe so many hard things have happened to them that they don't even know how to get out from under the weight of all of the hard things that they've been through. And so they can only see the world through the lens of awful. And I'm just so inspired and have been so inspired by people who have lived through really hard things and managed to find beauty and managed to rebuild and managed to become something. Um, And I think I had an example of that from my, like my whole life, my, um, my paternal grandparents who I was very close to and still feel them with me. They've gone to heaven long time, but I, they're always with me. Um, were farmhands, you know, were picked cotton, picked potatoes. You know, my grandma had six kids and they had no money and they had no real education and they just kept, showing up for life and kept working hard and kept looking for the good. And like from the very earliest uh, memories I have of my grandma, I have that example of, you know, someone who just kept showing up with optimism Mm -hmm. 
Mm. and with hope and with belief in her family and in humans and, um, you know, and, and enjoyed good food and growing her roses and my grandpa. And so I just, I always had this example of someone who, I mean, her life had was so hard and she just kept looking for goodness. Would I, I wanted to ask you, cause I think that something that's, that's special about you is that, um, look, you're like, you're helping so many people and you're giving them strength and giving them sort of tools and tricks and tips to how to do things, deal with things, get through things. And so there's a, there's a strength there. Um, and so it doesn't mean though, that life isn't hard, super hard. So what I wanted to ask about, and you just started sort of giving me some examples with your grandma, but it's your, you have a good relationship. It's your relationship with discomfort. It doesn't mean you don't have it, but you just have a good relationship with discomfort. I'm going to stand up and dust myself off and I'm going to choose optimism and life is a bucket of shit right now, but you know what? It's not going to stay like that. And I'm going to do these things. Like, I think it can be off-putting at times for people because they're like, oh, whatever. You just, everything's just, you know, don't you ever right. just break down and, you right. know, show me that, show me the vulnerability. But I, I just think that, you know, my sense is, is your relationship with discomfort is something that is, is something you've cultivated. Well my whole childhood was discomfort. My whole childhood was, um, I, I shouldn't, I guess I shouldn't say whole because there were beautiful parts of it. You know, I have, um, like I said, my relationship with my grandparents, I have really beautiful memories of my childhood, but, um, I, I truly believe that my parents did the best that they could with what they had, but their best was not great. And, um, my, I grew up inside of chaos. I grew up inside of fear. I grew up, um, daddy had a awful temper and you never knew, you know, what was going to happen. You never knew, are we going to have a nice family dinner or, um, is he going to get angry and they're going to get in a fight and he's going to punch a hole in the wall or through, you know, rip the TV and throw it in the back. Like you just, you never knew. And so, um, I lived, I can, I've done a lot of therapy to understand sort of the effect that that has on a child and growing up in this anxiety of a, I don't, I never feel safe. So like as a child, I never feel safe because I never know what to expect. And also, um, my role then was to keep the peace like try and make everybody happy, try and, uh, you know, the, Oh no, no. Like, let's make it a joke. Let's, you know, we'll just laugh this off. It's fine. Like, Oh, she didn't mean that. Like he, you know, so there's a lot of stuff, um, from the time I was little that, you know, I've written a lot about it in my books and there is a whole bucket of shit that I will never write about because it's too awful. But when I say that I am optimistic and when I say that I keep choosing joy, even when it's hard, and when I say that, um, like, I can see how things are for me, 
I hope that people at this point, at least the people who've read my books, understand that I'm not just talking out of one side of my mouth. I'm not, it's, it's very easy to look at my life now and sort of, you know, um, be flippant about like, oh, well, easy for you to say you're a successful author or like, I understand that I will never truly understand the full privilege of being a white woman, of having the access that I have, of now getting to a place where I have financial resources that I didn't have. But what people can understand or not is that I grew up poor. I grew up in a shitty, hard home life. I moved away from home at 17, like moved to a different city at 17, like wasn't even old enough to lease my own apartment because I just wanted to escape. I wanted to get away. And I remember when for, for all of high school that I just kept thinking like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get, it was all I thought about was all I focused on. It's probably the original, like me goal setting is like going back to those teenage years. And it was all I thought about was just getting away from this house. I just wanted to be out of this house. I wanted to be out of this environment because I kept telling myself, if you leave this place and you're still unhappy, then you will know that it's you. It's not your environment. It's not these people. You will, for the rest of your life, have to take responsibility for the fact that it's you. And I remember that as a teenager saying like, right now I'm in this environment and I think that that's why life is so, can I cuss on the show? I've already cussed yeah. once. Okay. Uh, right now, like, I think that they're why life is so shitty, but if I get out of here and I'm still miserable, then I will know that it was just geography. It didn't, it doesn't matter if I have a bad attitude, if I'm negative, if I'm if I'm this way, then it won't matter where I move and it won't matter how much money I make and it won't matter who I know or who my friends are. I will always be this way. And mm -hmm. so in, in that awareness, I, I, and I remember moving to LA and working three jobs and just all I wanted to do was survive, just live in this little crappy apartment and survive away from that home life. And I would have days where it would like, Oh my gosh, you know, I would be overwhelmed or it would be hard. And I'd be like, Nope, Nope. Remember where you come from and remember what it felt like. And at least this might be this crappy apartment in Hollywood and you might only be able to shop at the 99 cent store, but you own this life. Nobody gets to come into your space. Nobody gets to yell at you. Nobody gets to make you feel less than like you get to own this. And a, a hard existence that you choose for yourself beats anything that's that someone else forces on you because at least from my perspective at least then you're in control so i'm gonna assume that you weren't miserable when you left no and there were certainly circumstances that would have made me feel anxious or scared or nervous or any sort of suffering yeah. um but I think that's truly that first year probably of being in LA was when I really, you know, I don't even know that people are using the term mindset 20 years ago, but I really did learn to control my mindset starting then because I just kept thinking, nope, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be like that. 
and I have to be able to control the way I think about the world that I find myself in, or I will be miserable forever. That's incredibly rare. I mean, I'm 38 and I'm like learning some of these things and, you know, in recent years, but to have that kind of awareness, self-awareness, knowing that you were responsible for your own happiness. To me, that's, maybe that's, it was your gift. Your gift was to have enough self-awareness to be able to tell people to have some damn (laughs) self-awareness. Maybe. I mean, I think that I also, you know, I, I went through this catastrophic life event when I was 14. Um, my older brother committed suicide and it, whatever our family was before that moment, that event annihilated whatever it was into something so much worse. And Mm. I really do think at 14 was when I started to kind of, I don't know how to like look at my life from I don't know if it was sort of the out of body experience of having gone through that trauma, but I really did start to take a step back and go, man, this is not okay. That's not okay. And this shouldn't be, you know, just sort of in the way that our family handled things or did things. And what's so interesting is that I've been doing a lot of work this year on inner child, like working with energy healer, therapist, the whole thing, like inner child, who are you, you at different ages, all the stuff. I know you're here for it. And absolutely going to make you go and want you to go into that. So it's so powerful. But in doing this work, I had the idea a couple of weekends ago is like, I'm going to go find my old journals, because I have this huge, like, Tupperware thing of like childhood memories. I've got, you know, diaries from elementary school journals, like all this stuff. And so I went and read through my diaries and my journals. And I think it's, I, A, it was the first time that I was conscious of as a very little girl, like, so elementary school, that even then I was writing things or processing things that even my seven-year-old brain or my eight-year-old brain knew was not okay. Knew that the way that my parents were behaving or the things that they were doing were not okay, which is wild because I have an eight-year-old, right? Like I have, it's so interesting to think of your own kids, or if you have kids in your life that you're like, I was Ford's age and I was writing this diary entry that is beyond fucked up. And so A, it made me aware of like, man, even from a real, like much earlier than I realized that I knew that the way that we operated as a family was not okay. And then in the journal after my brother died is when I consciously was like, I'm getting out of here. Like I, and I was 14. So I was only a freshman in high school, but I was like, I, I've got to leave the, like I, it became you know, it's like in the diary, it's like, oh, I like this boy. I like this. That's all apparently I thought about as a little girl. And then that moment was like, okay, how much money do I have saved? How am I going to do this? What's the job I'm going to get? Everything from 14 until I left home at 17 was about how to get out. I feel like you, that event woke you up 
and put your put your family to sleep. Like, cause that's right. Cause we go in or we go out. Right. So right. We, 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 I think I heard you say in one of your videos, like it's, there's nothing's been, there's never been a sexier time to numb out. <laughs> so, right. right. Uh, 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 well, I mean, people are doing that. And then, yeah. but it's also like a great call to your own truth and, and learning the lessons right now, which is the road that I've gone down. I'm sensing it's the road you've go, you go down. You've been going down that road since you were 14. Yeah. And so how crazy that that happens. And I just sense that it woke you up. Would do you agree with that? Yeah, no, that, and I think that's a great way to think about it. And I haven't thought it thought of it in those terms before, but a hundred percent. Um, because it was just sort of this jolt of, and maybe it was that whatever, like, sort of facade or like, you know, the house built on sand or whatever, Mm -hmm. that Ryan died, and then it was just gone, and there was nothing, and we were starting from scratch. And I, you know, I, I had never told this story, but in the new book, I, I tell the story of the day my brother died is the last day my parents ever parented me. And I was 14 Mm -hmm. and that, and I mean, legitimately they checked out and from 14 until I graduated high school, like nobody one time you know, did you brush your teeth? Did you do your homework? What are your grades? Never. How are um, you? No. And, and what I say in the book is I've had more conversations with my 11 year old about Fortnite than either one of my parents have ever had with me about my brother's death. You know, what I saw that day, what I went through, the trauma of that experience, nothing. And it, is wild. But here's the thing. I, and I don't know how this will be received, but I'm just going to speak truthfully to your listeners. I would not be the woman that I am. I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't gone through that experience. Um, and knowing that this chapter, I'd written this chapter and I knew that it would hurt. I knew it would hurt my mom to read it. And I wanted to tell her in advance that I, Hey, this is what's in this book. And I, you know, and I didn't know how that would be received. And, um, but I wanted to give her a heads up because that's a really harsh thing to have in print, you know, widely out in the world and have your friends sort of come to you and be like, Hey. Um, and so I told her it was coming and she sent me a note at the end of last week. Cause she had read the book. And she, when, when I told her, she surprised me by saying, um, She's like, I hate that that's the truth, but that's the truth. Like, I, I really hate that that happened. I, I hate, but I'm not going to argue with you because that is, you know, and look, I give so much um, honor to the fact that I have no idea what it would feel like to lose your only son in that way. I have no idea. So and, and, it was, you know, she was just like, I, I wish I, you know, if I could, I give anything to like, have done that better or go back. And I was like, mom, honestly, you, they didn't, they didn't grow up in homes or family. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the information. They didn't, they wouldn't even have known how they coped with what they knew. And it is what it is. How did that feel though, for her to say, I'm sorry. And for her to receive that 
shocking for me because I have known that I needed to have that conversation for six months and I didn't, you know, did not six months or like your whole life. That one specifically six months, because I just knew that that this, that thing was going to come up because I'll tell you, that's just the book, the book, but that's that's just the book, but that's also not, to be honest, I won't, if I, I mean, this feels like we're having a therapy session and this feels like way too deep. If I tried to dig in and unpack all of the stuff with my parents, I could not have a relationship with my parents. That's real. Wow. Because then there would need to be some accountability. And that accountability would mean that we have no relationship at all. And so I choose to have a relationship. It's not close. I'm not close with either parent. But I have a relationship and I love them mm-hmm. and they love their grandkids. And that feels good enough. That's a lot. That's heavy. Um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. What I hear, like what comes to mind is the first thing I thought was forgiveness. Like, so, you know, where is there room? Is there room is there even a crack in this wall that they've built that you've built to get like the, as a systematically in your life, is there a crack in there where you can even feel how there could be forgiveness to be able to have a relationship if you really were to unpack it all? I, you know, I, I, you know, I read so much on this. I, this idea of like, if you can't forgive someone, then is it like you're drinking poison and you're, you know, for the rest of your life. And, um, I'm trying to think of how, it doesn't feel, and I, and I have said this to her, my God, if someone listening to this knows either my parents like be a bro and do not send them this podcast episode. Um, But I don't know if other children who maybe have grown up in similar circumstances can understand this thought, but it doesn't feel safe to, if to forgive to me would be to let guards down, like to just be like kind of open of like, oh, right, we've forgotten this thing, or we've forgiven, we've forgotten, we're like moving forward. And if that, if it was truly that idea, that does not feel, um, it doesn't feel safe. Because I don't, I don't trust that it, I wouldn't get hurt again. And so for me, it's a boundary of we're going to have a relationship from here, but I'm not willing like to unpack and to really dig in and to like go to therapy together and like do whatever that would maybe produce a, um, maybe that would produce a closer relationship. Um, but that's not something that feels, I don't know, you know, I don't know the rest of my life, but that definitely right now just feels like. (laughs) Surprises. 
Life is a bunch of surprises. Well, right. So, well, like, forget about them. Forget about that dynamic. I think this is this is a powerful concept that, like, kind of brings emotion to me. Even just sort of thinking about this from my own perspective, um, but it's it's really big. Um, so, what have you? What have you learned to forgive yourself for? I think, um, I guess I don't think in terms of forgiving myself, I think that I have learned over time, I'm very graceful with myself. Mm-hmm. And if I could have a wish or a hope for other people, it would be striving for a similar level of grace, mm-hmm. um, of accepting myself as I am, mm-hmm. even as I work to become something new and different and evolve. Um, and I think that the grace that I have with myself comes like having this level of grace then um, definitely eroded some of that unrelenting drive that I had, you know, 10 years ago and maybe meant that I produced more and that I produced at a higher level and that I was more ambitious and all of these things, but also came at an incredible expense on my health, uh, my relationship with my, my kids, my relationship with my partner. Um, I think that I have learned over time to really just be like, okay, you know, maybe today we're going to kill it. Right. And we're just going to be the greatest leader and the greatest mom. And we, you know, made dinner, we did the thing. And maybe tomorrow, the only thing that you can do is, you know, get Chick-fil-A and, you know, watch a movie and wear sweatpants and both sides of you are awesome. And maybe the, um, the person who needed to kind of hibernate and have a moment to kind of recoup is what makes it possible for you to go be the badass tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I guess I don't think in terms of forgiveness, I think I'm very accepting of myself Mm. and I don't know that I was a decade ago. Hmm. That's probably been helpful. What have you seen? Like, again, because of course we had what, what was supposed to be, I think, 15 minute conversation right. turned into an hour 15. Yeah. Um, right. So like, obviously I remember a lot of the stuff that we talked about. And of course this whole inner child and that stuff, like yes. we we're both diving down this rabbit yes. hole of like, you know, it, it just keeps going. Um, mm-hmm. So what have you found has been what's your most recent what is the what is your most recent situation where you can see the inner child the the way that your childhood went the things that you learned how to do to cope and survive then that isn't serving you now what needs to die what needs Um, to be transformed one of the big things that i'm working on and have been working on for you know 10 years maybe, is anxiety. And I had this epiphany about anxiety. Did I talk to you about this when we were? Yeah, yeah we were. About the, before. yeah. Um, so I have, you know, five, six years ago, really started to, um, I was having debilitating anxiety attacks and it was mm-hmm. truly ruling my life. 
And I started going to therapy. I started reading books. I did all of these things to kind of learn how to deal with the anxiety, which truly was what started me on this personal development journey. Um, but I did all these things. And what I think is so fascinating about any time in our lives where we're working on ourselves is that it's just this onion and you never run out of layers. Like you think you've like figured out all the things about this topic. And then you're like, like my best friend, Sammy always says like, Oh, I just made another connection. Like I just connected again. Why that thing triggered this thing, which is so powerful. Just had right? that the other day, like a really big thing. And I'm like, like, Oh my oh. God. I mean, if my parents listen to this too, I was like, Oh my God, that like bitchy voice that I like tells me mean things when I get a little insecure or something happens. I'm like, you know, both of our parents probably shouldn't live. I'm like, that's my dad. It's my yeah. dad. Those are the things. Yeah. That's not me. I, I ask I, actually often I ask women the voice that's in the back of your head, the one that says mean things. I, I usually ask, is it a man or a woman? Mm-hmm. Which is always really interesting because depending on how you're raised or who you interacted with or whatever, it's different. And then the second question is, do you know the voice? Because to have that epiphany of like, oh, it's dad. That's, you know, which even in that, there's some like, well, I will be damned if you are still controlling me, you know, at 38 years old, if you're, I'm still, that's so powerful though. If we can understand why we do things, why we are triggered, why we're putting, I, I honestly believe if we can understand why we can figure out anyhow but you have to understand why it's happening in the first place. And so many people will not dive into to that. Um, so for me, this anxiety is something I've been, I've been working through and dealing with. And I have so like, I'm like, I got this right. And not to say that I still don't get anxiety, but it's not at all what it used to be once upon a time. And then I recently had this epiphany of, uh, you know, I've been working with a therapist and we've been talking about me at different ages of my life. And even that was really powerful for me to think like, what version of me is having this reaction? So I had anxiety about something one day. And to be honest, when I get anxiety, I, I'm like pissed. I am so tired of this emotion. I am so tired of unnecessary anxiousness that then I talk myself around and I'm like, what? that's such a dumb reason to be worried and, and it just wastes time and it's a distraction and I hate it. And so I'm like, okay, how do we, let's, let's keep unpacking. Let's keep peeling back the onion layers because I really don't want this to be able to affect me. There were times in my past where anxiety would shut me down for a day. Anxiety now maybe will shut me down for 15 minutes, but honestly, I don't even want to lose 15 minutes. I, I just like, I don't. My, my, even in a, the hardest year of my life, my, I'm still so freaking blessed. My kids are healthy. I'm like, I, I don't want to waste time in made up suffering because to me, at least my anxiety is things I'm making up that have not even happened. So I started to have anxiety and then it was the first time that I was able to sort of use this, like myself at different ages. And I thought, what version of you? is having this reaction right now. And I realized, cause I, you know, I know my trigger and I know what set me off that I could take it back to me as a little girl. So let's say six years old. And if you grew up in a house like I did, where 
you never knew what was going to set daddy off. So then you never felt safe. Well, it's very easy to see how as an adult, I might feel like any kind of thing that kind of steps outside of what I was expecting might be unsafe. And so I had this like beautiful moment of like, oh, this is not 37-year-old you who's freaking out right now. This is six-year-old you. And so I don't, I was going to say this sounds woo-woo, but I feel like your audience is like here for it. My therapist said, our, your subconscious does not know the difference between what happened and what you think happened, which is why we can give ourselves anxiety attacks about the stuff we're imagining. So she said, when you find yourself in these situations, I literally want you to imagine that you, 37-year-old you, is talking to six-year-old you or thir- like, what would you say to calm her down? What would she's like, you're a mom. Like, what would you say to that little girl? And I literally just like imagine this conversation in my head, like, oh no, we're safe. We're safe here. Nobody, nobody can hurt us. Like we are, we're fine. Like everybody's safe. We're, and immediately just all of the anxious, mm. like just drained out of my body. Mm. And the power of understanding sort of which version of you is showing up in this moment. Um, I, w- I just did an interview with Rob Bell. Do you know Rob Bell? Oh, how, what a, right. weird, what a weird loop this is. The people, yes. okay. I have some friends staying here. They're really, really good friends with Rob Bell. Oh, how funny. And they're, they're burning time at the mall right now, but um, they know um, that's so crazy that you just talked yeah. about Yeah. So I, he was just talking about this idea of, um, he said, you know, people like say like, I'm anxious. And he's like, you're not, you are not anxious. You are having an anxious thought or you are having anxiety, but we start to associate ourselves with the feeling, right? We're like, I'm pissed. No, you as a human, you're, you are not pissed. You are doing that emotion. You might be having that emotion, but that isn't who you are. Mm. And I think when you're experiencing something debilitating like anxiety or panic attack or depression or something that does feel all consuming, that we start to make that, like we start to accept that as who we are Mm -hmm. and the ability to separate yourself from the feeling. And at least I'm sure there's a bunch of different ways to do it. But for me, the age thing, helps me to separate myself from that feeling. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. oh no, 37-year-old you is fully capable of mm-hmm. handling these things and feeling this stuff and going through life and being okay. So mm-hmm. it's a different version of you that's having this moment. Which version of you is having this moment? Mm-hmm. You would love a conversation with him. Yeah, he yeah, that's so, so funny. so philosophical. Dave and Sarah, when they get back, I'm gonna be like, so guess who Rachel was talking to just before yeah. me? Um, They'll probably send him a message right away. Um, It's like the observer. I feel like that's one of the most being. So I moved back home to Indiana with my lived with my parents all summer because of heartbreak. And um, (laughs) and so but it was it was actually amazing. And also like I'm not going to say awful. It wasn't awful. It was great. But I learned a lot. So I was able to watch this sort of like old dynamic that I hadn't been so immersed in for so long. I could watch this like codependency dance happen. And it like, I got pulled in initially, like to some of the, some of the old patterns and ways of reacting and taking things personally. And then I ended up being like, ah, that's not, ah, that didn't feel good. Oh, why am I, why am I getting in the middle of that? Like, oh, right. 
And so then I, I, I had to learn, I mean, I lived there for three months. Like I had to learn how to like remove myself from it. So I became like an observer to this situation. So I could watch this dynamic happening and it was like entertaining almost. I'm like, and you could just, cause you're, you're not in it. It's like, that's one of right. the things that's happened is like the difference between being in it and consumed by the emotion and letting that be you, like Rob yes. said, aren't the emotion, observe the emotion. And my, yeah. my therapist said to the other day, she was like, um, about judgments, but this plays into the same thing. It's like, just narrate, just narrate what's going on. Oh, that person just cut me off on the road. Oh, that person is driving their car. Oh, this, that this person was um, busy and they didn't get here instead of being like, oh, you know, they're late and whatever, and getting offended or getting hurt and taking, right. just narrate and observe. Mm, that's so good. That's really that's good. A really helpful thing. What um, what do you see? Like, I mean, I can look and see like all kinds of fun dynamics that happened in my relationship because in relationship, triggers are our teachers, and we can learn the most in our intimate relationships. Um, I I've said this a few times. Like, I could have, I wanted to heal and wanted to learn and wanted to unpack all these things being in the relationship. If we would have stayed either, I think it would have taken a lot longer. Um, but it, it, it has gone really fast being out of it. Cause you're kind of thrust into it. Like mm -hmm. what, I mean, what was it in the relationship that you can see like your sort of childhood shit come up? Like what happened? What were your triggers that were just like, you know, cause for me, it was like trigger on trigger. Like for, that was mm -hmm. our situation. Like our wounds were not compatible. Like, you know, right. that was, you know what I mean? Like they just kind of right. kept in each other, kept triggering. Right. Like, well, and you, I think, yeah, what showed totally. up. And I, well, I, in hearing, I, there's something painfully beautiful. And I mean, I'm sure he'd be so frustrated that I said beautiful, but you know, me and trying to look for good. Um, about how we both have completely different narratives about what has just happened. And every couple has that. Every couple has their version of the truth. And it is true for them. And my truth is very different than his. And what I have tried to do is... understand, um, try and understand how he could believe that's true. Right. So, you know, when we first broke up, there were so many, um, things that he would say that I would just be like, what are you even talking about? Like, this is crazy. But then he kept that re it, it finally like clicked for me one day, like, oh no, he that is true for him. Mm. And if it's true for him, then how did I also contribute to that truth? Mm. Even though like who I am completely disagreeing with that being the reality, how I have to also own that that is his reality. And so how, how do I, how did I play a part in that? And I had a lot of anger for that dynamic. And in that process, it allowed me to um, be
be more empathetic about that being his truth. And I was like, okay, I can also understand that if I grew up in the kind of house that I grew up in, um, I am very non-confrontational. So you would have to threaten my friends, threaten my children. Like you'd have to do something to provoke me to get into confrontation with you. And most of the time inside of confrontation, I will shut down. And so he is like the captain of the debate team. He's an incredible, he could have been a lawyer. He would have been incredible at it. So he like comes alive. He's like, let me give you a 17 point process. Uh, like here's like all the reasons why I am right. And how I would handle that is I'm just going to shut down. I'm not going to speak. You win. You're right. You Okay. Because I just want to keep the peace. Mm. And there was, it was really powerful for me to understand if I feel like I have over communicated, over communicated, over communicated. And he feels like I haven't communicated enough. And I'm like, that that's crazy. But then me understanding like, oh, could there be truth in that? If you know that you tend to shut down, if you know that that's a trigger for you, I was, gosh, I can't even remember what I was listening to. Um, It might even have been a book I was reading that talked about, are you afraid of their anger? Are you afraid of your own anger? And I was like, oh man, that is so real. A hundred percent. So what was the answer? Uh, Yes, absolutely. Afraid of your own anger. And then I'm like, okay, if you're afraid of their anger and your own anger, how likely are you to stay in conversation, to really unpack it, to dig in deep? Probably not very likely. And so then could you give him the benefit of the doubt that from his perspective, you didn't communicate enough? Yes. And so to me, there's something um, powerful in like, we're both right. Because we're both, it's true to both of us. Because the alternative is, and I'm, I'm, I know that there are situations where someone is um, breaking up or getting divorced from an awful, terrible person who did terrible things. And that's not my, that's not my relationship. And so if I know that he is a good man and he is, there are parts of us that were very unhealthy, but in this piece, then I have to honor that that is his truth. And it is true to him. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense in my head. No, it makes it, it's, um, it's just sort of accepting it. Yes. Accepting the reality as it is. Um, What is it that you, what is it that you're, you've learned that you'll, you'll, you'll never do again. You're like moving forward, next relationship, never doing this. This is my, these, this, or these are my lessons where I'm like, thank you. I can say thank you for these because I'm not, 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 not doing this again. I don't, I truly don't know how it would have been possible for us to have been able to still have a healthy relationship, given that I am a completely different person 
than the one he married. And one of the most painful, hard things about what was is that forever there is this tension between kind of what he signed up for and who I am today. And then there is this tension within me to try and keep fitting myself into a box that is what would be preferred. And so if it means that for the I'm single for the rest of my life, that would be preferable to feeling like who I actually am is not okay. And I think, you know, I've in a totally different scenario, I've walked through, you know, um, with a few friends uh, coming out of the closet and, you know, telling people that they were gay and, and having, you know, family members disown them and, ha- and losing friends and, um, you know, have walked through some experiences with people who, when they admitted who they truly were, they lost a lot, right? They lost big, important pieces of their life. And it, I think it's hard to understand if you haven't gone through it, but losing something, even, even really important things, but having the freedom to just be, to just exist as who you are. My best friend wrote a book called Worth It. Um, and it's about her, you know, finding the courage to say that she was gay and marrying her wife and um, what that process felt like. And what she always tells people is like, I'm not saying it won't be painful. It might be incredibly painful, but it will be worth it. And so I think what I've learned that I won't repeat again is show up as anyone other than me. I think you should forgive yourself for surviving. Like, I think that's what you, like, you will survive at all costs, right? I get that feeling. Yeah. Yes. Even if it means not speaking up and your anxiety is just your warning sign. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, what, what would you not, what, what are you, what will you not do again? Um, do you have that clarity yet? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, for me, it's not have boundaries. I've never had boundaries. Mm -hmm. I've learned that, um, from my unpacking that, uh, I'm a, I'm a fixer and I just can't fix anymore. And, um, so I, I just know that I won't, I won't, won't compromise my own values and boundaries. Like if someone's not willing to put the effort in, I'm going to notice it. Right. If right. Someone's not, you know, showing up for me in the way that makes me feel, you know, seen and valued and understood and in, in a way that's like, this is what I require from a relationship. Then I'm going to see that. Yep. Like, yep just boundaries that go, this is who I am. If you're not willing to do this, 
I have to finally, I have been, this is, this is what just came through in the last, like, and I guess I've kind of known this, but I had two relationships where I wasn't chosen. And, you know, I think I saw the pattern and I think three probably is more normal for like a pattern, but I was like, no, no, two, I ain't doing this damn thing again. Yeah. So I was like, why? Like, that was my sadness is like, just, you know, why wasn't I chosen? Why wasn't I, you know, why wasn't I, why didn't they propose to me? Why didn't they want to spend forever? And it's because I, so I wanted that from them, but I need to, I needed to finally choose myself. Mm, That's good. I wanted them to choose me, but I really needed to choose myself. That was Mm. the lesson. It can be little. There's so many things that are exact mirror, like exactly reflecting. It's like I've also I made a list the other day of um, the things I judge in myself and in others, because there's also a lot to unpack there. Like I judge lazy people, people that um, you know don't have you know people that lack discipline and all this stuff. Like I can list these things that I judge, and really it's the shadow side of myself that I deny. I deny yep. myself the ability to rest. Right. I deny myself the ability to just like, oh, whatever, who cares? Let go and just relax. Like I deny all those things for myself. So the way you fill in those fragmented cracks of yourself is you look and you go, what do I judge? And then you go, oh my God, what is, it's something unhealed in me that I'm not allowing. Right. What do you judge? And well, what do I judge? I, I definitely identify there was a, I would say like when I was talking about earlier, when I was not graceful with myself or not accepting, I would have judged the same things. I pushed myself so hard. I didn't rest. I, you know, it's like, Oh, you're sick. Well, who cares? You got work to do. Like I, all of those things I absolutely would have judged other people for. In fact, my best friend, do you ever take the Enneagram test? Did we talk about this? We talked about it, but I haven't, I, I think oh, come the on. numbers, it's like one through nine or something. One through nine. Yeah. Yeah. I, so swear my, I think I took it and I thought I was an eight. You said you're definitely oh, a three. I think you said, I thought you were a three, but you could be an eight. You absolutely eight. could be. An eight. There was one. I more could see number. that. I can yeah, so it's you through like it's my the number before or after. So the for an eight, the number nine is an option of the number seven. So a seven is an enthusiast, like you get really excited about things, you want to figure them out. And then a nine is a peacekeeper. You want to keep peace between people. Mm. So it would have been one of those. So maybe you're not an eight, maybe you're three. Maybe. But my best friend is a seven, which is the enthusiast. And when we first met, probably that first year, I loved her, but I also totally was just like, oh, this woman, like, you know, she's so much talent. Why doesn't she write a book? Like she doesn't, why doesn't she do like, um, and I would, we would go on runs and I'd be like, oh my gosh. Okay. What if you did this? And then you could do this and then you could do that. And it, for the longest time I was like, why isn't she more like me? Right. I wasn't putting those words to it, but that was essentially what was happening. And now I, I mean, it is by the grace of God that this is my best friend because I, this sounds so cheesy, but I feel like in so many ways, she taught me how to live. She taught me how to have margaritas and drink wine and go on vacation and just sit and she taught me things that I needed so desperately in my life. And I have such a more beautiful, richer, funner existence 
because of this person who is not like me at all. And so I, there was a time where I would have judged that. And now I'm like, thank you, God. I know exactly why you put this person into my path. I know exactly why they're here. And I rub off on her, right? She did write the book. (laughs) Um, And she rubs off on me. And that is the beauty of that kind of relationship is like, you're both bringing something to this table. And Mm -hmm. yeah, but I definitely can understand. I would have judged that long ago for sure. Um, something that like to sort of move and shift. Cause I know it's been heavy and I know we can go into heavy, but I, I, right. I we can also lighten it up and have some fun. Right. I, I, the thought that came to mind when you started to say something earlier was like that your new life is going to cost your old one. Mm-hmm. And, um, obviously that's been happening a lot for us. So I want you to like paint, what's your new world? What is the new world? Who's in it? What do you do? Where do you go? Like what jacks you up and gets you excited? Like, what do you do now that you never did before? Like build the world for me. Well, I mean, I want to build a world that's like post COVID because I really miss, I I don't know why you say you want something that's travel. Right. Right. I really miss travel. Um, I think the new, this is, um, Dave is so wonderful, but Dave is pretty, um, and I think he'd say this, um, he's not necessarily like an adventure kind of person. Like he doesn't, he's pretty good with like the same, doing the same thing. And I really, I love, I'm a homebody. I love being at home. I love my routine, but I love an adventure. I love doing something I've never done before. I love going to a place, eating new food, meeting a new person. Let's make friends. Let's, it is, it is such a big part of who I am. And I think, um, you, we, there are, there are pieces. I don't know if you've discovered this, but you know, this is the, he's the only person I've ever been with. So this is the first time I've ever broken up with someone. So I don't even, all of this is very new to me. Right. Let's go date together. Let's go on double dates. I feel like I am not, I'm like, I can't even fathom that yet. Someday maybe, (laughs) but right now I'm like, oh my God. But um, I have never realized how many parts of myself I had suppressed just because he didn't, he didn't like doing that thing. And I am positive that that goes both ways. Like I am positive there are things that he loves that he didn't do because I didn't really like to do them. I think it's a natural thing when you meet someone when you're that young, because you just sort of like, Oh, we'll just become this like blob together instead of like our individual selves. Right. And so there's just a bunch of stuff that I, I I'm excited to explore again when we're able to do that. Um, I, one of my favorite things ever. And I sort of get to do this through the podcast, but I just, I want to be able to do this in life is like, I want to have this conversation with no cameras and wine. Right. I just want to be able to like meet people and like, no, I know, but like, over, like, this is all I do. I don't have shallow friends. Like, unless we're talking about the fabric of the universe and inner child. (laughs) What are we even doing here? Yeah. What are we even doing here? Yeah. So I think that the, the closer, world for me looks like I want to be able to have some adventures, travel. Um, I want to be able to create some stuff that, you know, I was just having this conversation 
with Rob about like when you're known for something that that's what everybody expects you to keep being or keep doing or keep showing up as. And I'm sure you don't know anything about that. Right. (laughs) And what is it, you know, what does it look like to be able to create things um, that you create for yourself? You know, in the new book is a very different tone than I've ever written in before. And Usually it's lots of humor and irreverent and self-deprecating. And now I've written this book that's has some humor, but is hard and is, you know, it's sad subject. It's hard things to talk about. And even in that, I can sort of see the audience going like, well, where's, you know, girl, wash your face too. Um, and so I think for me, it's about being able to create some stuff that maybe people aren't used to seeing from me. So I'm almost done with a script. I wrote a movie. What? Yeah. Well, it could be absolute garbage, but it more is just that I wanted to try a medium I hadn't worked in before. I mean, which is, it's literally never crossed my mind to write a script. So you're throwing it away like, oh, it might be crap. Like I've never even thought to do that. Well, maybe you should. Maybe. I just, I, I love, um, I love a challenge. I, I feel like once uh, once I've done something, I don't want to do that same thing again. Like I'd rather go, and maybe this is what people see is kind of like 10 more failures before I have another big success, because at least I was trying different things as opposed to just like doing the same stuff over and over. So the the future that I imagine for myself right now, I can't even fathom a relationship. I'm not, that's not even, I don't, I'm not even interested. I'm interested in getting to know myself. Mm. I'm interested in um, sort of becoming more me. Um, You know, it's funny when um, rumors started to sort of circulate, and maybe this is normal, but I never experienced this, obviously, of like who I was, who I was with secretly or who I was going to be with. And I just find that so fascinating that that's what people think. Like, I'm like, I just got out of an 18 year relationship five months ago. You think that five months is enough time for me to like deal with the pain, deal with my emotion, come to terms with what has happened, do the therapy. You think that five months is enough for 18 years and you think that the solution to my pain should be to immediately go get into a relationship with someone else who also has baggage? That's what no. People, that's what people way. do. That's what people yes. do. So they don't have to feel. So they don't yes. have to see the shit. Yes. So they don't yes. have to see their shit. Right. They right. do. And they don't think, and more than anything, it's not even, I don't think it's conscious. Like, I'm not going to look at that. I think that's out there. Um, But I think a lot of it is they don't think anything is wrong. Right. Right. Like, oh, just go find, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've had so many people like executives and meetings, people on the street, like who will say, oh, don't worry. He's out there. Like you're going to find. And I'm like, you think that's my concern? Like, you think that's my focus? Like, oh, I got to go find the new, no, no. Oh my gosh. No. 
like, ah, oh, the right one's out there. Oh, you'll find. And, right. you know, then there's the whole like mess in your mind of like, I don't want to think about anybody else. And then right. you can like, or you just like, ah, oh, it feels icky. You're like, I'm not there right. yet. Right. You know I'm me. not there. I'm not there. And I feel like I have, even in this hardship, I have, I am so freaking blessed. I have these four awesome kids that I have this incredible team of people that I work with. Like, this is what I'm doing right now. I started taking horseback riding lessons. Amazing. I started golfing. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm a golfer. Who knows? Uh, I definitely think you should come to come to see me in Arizona. I'm okay. a member at a really, really nice golf course called Scottsdale National. Bob Harson, who uh, started GoDaddy, has it. I'm it's not very good. Oh, I'm so terrible. If I'm allowed- okay, great. Okay. As long as we're I don't even keep level. score. Okay, great. Perfect. Perfect. I'm down. Here's my question. I don't know if I'm not, I don't know if I should ask you this, but I want to. Is there a world, like, do people like you have just access to race cars? And is there a world that if we were real life friends, that you could take me in a car, we could drive very fast? Because when am I ever going to get to experience that? Is that a thing? You know, I'm not trying to manipulate the situation in any way, but I'm just going to sort of like throw it out there that if, you know, we became real live friends, let's yes. say. Um, and hypothetically. Um, hypothetically speaking, if we really were to become real, real right. live friends and we came to see each other in our respective states, that... Um, that, you know, I think there could be a way that I'd, I'd find a, I'd find a race car that that's probably not very difficult for me. And there's probably a way that I could find my old helmet and dust it off. And oh um, probably- can you imagine for the YouTube video alone, this would be the funniest thing ever. I gave my family two seater rides last year. Did I had you? done this. I'd done this Christmas package for them. It was a Christmas gift for my mom, my dad, my sister, and her husband. And I called it, I called it, um, drinking and driving. And so it was to pay for a trip out to Napa to get a two seater ride with me and go wine tasting. And so, um, I was already doing a charity package that had been an auction item for me to do two seater rides. So I put them at the end and, um, and I have entertained the idea of buying, uh, some, a sports car and I've honestly, also, yeah. And be able to get a good party rides trip. every year. It feels good. Like you're just having a party. And you're like, all right, who wants, who wants it? I'm not encouraging drinking and driving. However, it was a funny way to give a Christmas present. Um, Honestly. But yeah, yeah, that could definitely, that could okay. definitely happen. Add that to my adventure, my adventure idea. That's just going to be a byproduct of all of our fruitful sharing, caring, growing, <laughs> learning, crying, drinking, drinking yes. and um, adventuring. I'm here for it. I think that's what life's for. I've like literally started, I've even thought to myself like this whole, like, you know, you know, new boyfriend at some point. I'm like, what, like trying to like really trying to identify what's the reason for a relationship. What do I really want from someone? Yes. Um, and the, the top of the list was adventure. And you know what? You know, you can do adventure with anybody and I do tons of adventures with my girlfriends. So yeah, I think we need to go on an adventure. I'm here for it. I'm super here for it. As soon as we're allowed, as soon as other countries will allow us into them, I feel like it's a, it's something that we need to make happen for sure. I keep checking with my travel agent. I'm like, anybody, anybody letting us in yet? It's like, no, I'll let you know. All right.
Well, we're going to do it. I'm here Thank for you. It. And I'm really, I'm really proud of you. And I'm really, I think that it's, um, I don't think people understand uh, from the outside looking in what it's like to deal with, you know, breakup and with uh, the whole energy of it, the emotions and the changes and the dynamics, and then, you know, the sadness and the anger and all of that stuff in a public way. And, you know, there's so many layers to it. There's like, just letting, just when people actually find out, which is usually a little while after it actually happened, because you're kind of like, did this really happen? And then there's sort of like, you know, moving on. And then there's, it's, it's a lot to unpack. And then there's the truth, which is hard because it's personal and it's private. And it's like, how much do you share? And so thank you for sharing. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for, um, leading the way, leading by example to how to live. And I do think that at 14, while you can stamp that point in time where, you know, your brother died and everything changed, you woke up and you, you, you were called to step into this life of inspiring people to wake up, to look at themselves, to be accountable and not run away and not do what you, what you said in in your video a while back where it said the sexiest thing is to numb out. You're not here for that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.